Hello, welcome back to another episode of The Wire Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan McCrary, and I'm excited to be back. I have a lot to talk about. We had a great weekend of sports, uh, so I have plenty to talk about on today's episode of the podcast. Um, I hope you're having a good day. I hope you had a great weekend as well, and I hope you're having a good week so far. Uh, today, I want to talk. Uh, I'm going to be talking about football for the entire podcast. I'm going to talk about the Big Ten. Uh, they're going to be playing this season. They're going to be playing in the fall, so that's awesome. I'm going to talk about the Miami-Louisville game from Saturday. Then I'm going to go through a little NFL Week 2 recap. I did a recap of Week 1 uh, last week. I'm going to do a recap of Week 2 this week. Uh, I'm only going to talk about a few games. Uh, these are games that either I watched or games that I thought were very interesting and worthy of being talked about on the podcast. Um, and I'm also going to talk about uh, the injuries that we've seen in the NFL. There's been a lot of injuries, so I want to touch on that. But yeah, let's get into it. So, um, this is not a, this is a new setup. If you're watching on YouTube, it looks different. Uh, I'm still in my dorm, but, uh, I just, I got a table. It's a new setup. Um, just, I like it better this way. Uh, so it's not just focused right on my face. But yeah, okay, let's start with the Big Ten. The Big Ten is officially back. Uh, as I said earlier, uh, and it's going, there's going to be an eight game schedule for each Big Ten team. And as we know, it's conference only. Uh, they're going to be returning to play on October 24th. So we got a little bit of ways. Let me see. What's the date? It's the 22nd of September. So we got another month and two days, uh, until the Big Ten is officially back. But it's just good to know that the Big Ten is going to be playing. Um, that, I mean, I'm just happy for the players in the Big Ten. They're going to have an opportunity to play this season. That's incredible. Um, and that's good for people like me who create content. Um, and for the draft, when we do scouting, it's going to make it a lot easier now that the Big Ten um, is playing and is having a season. So that's awesome. We still don't know anything about the Pac-12. At least I have no knowledge of any decision the Pac-12 has made, if they've made one. Um, but... Yeah, we have four conferences. Four conferences are going to play. Now, with the Big Ten only having eight games, that's very interesting because uh, when the playoff, when when the four teams are being debated about uh, come playoff time, what's going to happen with the Big Ten teams? Because they're going to be they're going to be playing four, or they're going to have played four less games than the than the teams in the conferences that have played twelve games. So. What's going to happen with them? Are they going to be eligible for the playoff? Um, I'm, I'm assuming they're going to be eligible. I assume they would be because it would suck for those Big Ten teams. Like, if they played an eight-game season for nothing. Uh, so, I mean, that's 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 something that's uh, something to keep your eye on. And then, um, you know, the Big Ten teams aren't eligible to be ranked until they play a game. So, when we look at, like, the Miami-Louisville matchup, that was both teams were ranked top twenty. That probably wouldn't have been the case if the Big Ten and Pac twelve would have been playing football um, at the same time. So when we don't have all these Big Ten teams uh, in the rankings, that kind of messes up like the strength of schedule. The strength of schedule is going to look a lot different than it would have if the Big Ten teams would have played for the entire duration of the season. So that's something else to keep your eye on. Um, but. Yeah, nonetheless, I'm glad the Big Ten is playing this season. Um, I'm happy for all the, all the Big Ten athletes. That's great for them. 
Um, and I, I'm just really happy for those guys. All right, let's talk about Miami Louisville because that was a wild game. Uh, if you watched it, if you didn't, make sure you go to go watch it. You can watch a condensed version on YouTube, um, and you'll probably be able you'll be able to find a full a full version of the game on YouTube as well. Uh, but yeah, what a game! What a, a high scoring game it was. It, I believe the final score was forty forty seven to thirty four. Like. There were a lot of points scored in this game, and in the first half, Miami was dominant. This was a really good performance by Miami overall. I was really, really impressed by them, and offensively, they were really good. Um, and they were they were just great on both sides of the ball in the first half. They were putting a lot of pressure on, on Louisville's quarterback Cunningham, um, and I mean they just were so good on both sides of the ball in the first half. Uh, there were uh, Eric King specifically played super well. I was really impressed by him. He made a couple of throws and a couple of reads where I was really impressed. And I was like, wow, okay, that was that was really, really impressive. Uh, his first touchdown was incredible. They were inside the red zone. Uh, they ran play action out of shotgun. And what they did is they had like a tight end on the line of scrimmage running almost like a fade. Uh, and on the play action, Der- Derek King had to read the linebacker, and if the linebacker crashed down to kind of stop the run, he, he was going to have a wide open touchdown. Uh, but if the linebacker sat back in coverage, he needed to hand the ball off. And so the linebacker crashed down, he didn't hand the ball off, he threw, he threw a beautiful touchdown to a wide open tight end to get things started. Um, and he had to put it outside, he couldn't put it inside, he had to put it outside because there were, there was a defensive back in position to make a play on the ball if he didn't throw the ball in the right spot, uh, which he did, and so they were able to score a touchdown on that play. Um, and then Miami was just dominating Louisville defensively, putting a lot of pressure on them. They, Louisville could not run the ball whatsoever in the first half. Like They were having no success uh, whatsoever when they tried to run the ball. Um, and Miami was just, like I mentioned earlier, putting a lot of pressure on uh, on Louisville's quarterback, Cunningham. And they were not giving him any time at all in the, in, in the pocket. <clears throat> Excuse me. And, um, <clears throat> and what Miami did really well in this game in the first half was run the ball. Now they were getting, they were doing a great job of getting to the outside arm runs, whether it be stretch runs, uh, power runs, whatever. They were get, doing a great job of being able to get to the outside. And that's something Louisville like, that's something you can do. You cannot let teams get to the outside and get outside leverage on runs. That's just something you can't do. And Miami was able to do it over and over and over again. Um, and Louisville just couldn't stop them. Um, what, another issue is there's too many chunk plays for Miami. Miami was getting big plays and they were gaining a lot of yards on, on just one play. And for, if you're Louisville, you can't have that happen. You can't allow that to happen. You can't allow Miami to get a huge chunk of yards over and over and over again. If you if you do that, you're going to lose the game. And that's a big reason why they were in a big hole in the first half. Because they, they went down twenty to six um by the time halftime rolled around. And I mean it was a rough first half for Louisville, especially on defense. Um now after going down fourteen oh, Louisville did get it together a little bit offensively. They put they put together a few solid drives. Um, and they were able to put up six points, uh, before the half. Um, 
but still, they just weren't good enough defensively um, in the first half, they, and, and it it really really hurt them in this game. And, and what they were in their deficiencies defensively were a huge reason why they lost in this game. Now Miami's kicker, I need to talk about him because that guy is a stud. Um, he had a 57 yard field goal to up to go up 20 to six right before halftime, and you just don't ever really hear of a college kicker kicking a 57-yard field goal. That's very impressive. He had a very nice day, um, and he might have made himself some money because uh, a 57-yard field goal, that's in- extremely impressive. Um, I mean, I, cu- I couldn't believe it when he hit that, uh, but that was amazing. And um, the second half, whew, the second half was really crazy because in the second half, Louisville really came along offensively, and they started putting up some points. Uh, but like in the first half, their defense just was really, really poor. Um, now Louisville came out in the second half. They got the ball first possession. Um, and they had a great first drive. They had a lot of success with, with runs, uh, with stretch runs out of pistol. Um, and they scored to make it a 20 to 13 game. But, you know, it was all for nothing because Louisville's defense just, to be quite honest, it sucked. And Miami responded immediately with a 75-yard touchdown run uh, on the very next possession. And it was a, a weird play because uh, Miami put a guy in motion and put him in motion to the left side of the field. And Louisville had, like, they stacked everyone in the box. They had no one over the top to help if Miami was able to, to get outside leverage on the run. And, and that's what happened. Miami got outside and there was no one to, to help. And so Miami got a free touchdown. And I don't know if there were, if it was just bad play calling, if there was miscommunication, but something, ha- something wrong happened. And Miami got a free touchdown out of it. And if you're Louisville, that's something you've got to clean up going forward. You cannot have that happen, happen again. Um, but things like that kept happening. Louisville gave up three easy touchdowns. In the second half, when there was some kind of miscommunication and guys were just wide open, and 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 it was just way too easy for Miami to score in this game. That's why they put up 47 points. And even though Louisville did have a good offensive performance in the second half, and they put up 34 points, it still wasn't enough because their defense was struggling so much, and they were giving up too many big plays to Miami. And like there was a play where. Uh, Louisville stacked the box like they did on that 75-yard touchdown run, and uh, the running Miami's running back, uh, Brevin Jordan, ran. He ran a route out of the backfield, and no one, no one went with him. No one was, or I, I guess someone had to be manned up on him, but they didn't go with him. No one followed him, and it was a, an easy uh, touchdown for the Hurricanes. And just plays like that kept happening in this game. And and it killed Louisville. Like they had no chance to win this game with the amount of chunk plays they were giving up. Um, and Miami was really really good in this game. Now defensively, they got a struggle a bit in the second half. They weren't as dominant, uh, but their offense kept on rolling, kept putting up points, and kept getting big plays. And so they were able to win this game. I was really impressed by Miami, especially offensively. And I know it was easy. Uh, the points they were putting up, and it was easy opportunities because Louisville was just screwing up 
like a lot on defense and mis and miscommunications got in their way. Uh, but what they did in the first half was really really impressive. Impressive. Um, like and on, on both sides of the ball. But yeah, shout out to Miami. That was a big win for them. Uh, they went on the road and got a big win against a conference opponent. That's huge. All right, let's talk about the NFL. Uh, week two. I want to start off talking about the injuries we've seen, and there's been a ton of injuries in the NFL, and I mean it's it's just been devastating. And this is something uh, I guess you could kind of expect when they're not when there being no training camp, um, and the whole coronavirus situation. But the amount of players getting injured is just it, it it's crazy. Um, so Saquon Barkley and Nick Bosa. They're out for the season with ACL tears and they suffered this weekend. Like Drew Locke got hurt. Christian McCaffrey got hurt. So they're out for a few weeks. Here's the updated uh, season-ending injuries so far. Um, and it's only week two. So taking this into consideration, it's only week two. Uh, here are the players that are out for the season. Saquon Barkley, Vaughn Miller, Nick Bosa, Derwin James, Cortland Sutton, Anthony Barr, Bruce Irvin, Malik Cooker, Tavon Young, C.J. Uzuma, Marlon Mack, Gerald McCoy, Andre Dillard, Zach Banner, and Grant Delpit. That is a ton of players that are out for the year. And like I said, it's only like it's only week two. So there's no telling how many more players will suffer season-ending injuries. I hope it's none, but at the rate that guys are going down, it looks like we're going to see a lot more. I hope not because, you know, I mean, these guys are humans. And although... They provide a source of entertainment for our Americans. We gotta keep in mind they're still people and we still gotta, we gotta show some compassion for these guys. And so when guys are getting hurt and are suffering gruesome injuries, I, I just hate to see it. Especially with me being like a, uh, I'm, I mean, I'm not an athlete now, but I used to play sports a lot and it, it just sucks to see guys go down with injuries. Now in, uh, in, in week two, here are the week, here are the injuries that occurred week two only. Paris Campbell, Nick Bosa, Jimmy Garoppolo, Drew Locke, Saquon Barkley, Christian McCaffrey, Solomon Thomas, Rashad Perriman, David Montgomery, Anthony Barr, Jerry Judy, Malik Hooker, Sterling Shepard, Cam Akers, Raheem Mostert, Cortland Sutton, Byron Jones, Devontae Adams, and Dak Prescott. Now, I got this from Twitter. I didn't know Dak Prescott got hurt, and I watched that game, so I have no idea if, if he actually got injured or not. Maybe he went out for uh, a little bit. Uh, but yeah, Dak was included on the list. I don't know if he actually suffered an injury. Uh, but yeah, I mean, those are other guys that they're not out for the entire year, but they're still going to miss some time with injuries. And a lot of these injuries are like either hamstring pulls or ACL tears or Achilles injuries. And Achilles injuries and ACL tears, those are some of the most devastating injuries you can suffer in sports. Um, and so I, I just feel, I feel like we're going to see a lot more of these, uh, which sucks. And I just hate to see guys get hurt. Um, so prayers up to these guys. I hope they have speedy recoveries, but that's something to keep your eye on. The amount of injuries we're seeing in the NFL, it, it, it's, it's wild. Uh, let me get a drink before I get into the games that I want to talk about. <sighs> All right. The first game I want to talk about. It's the Cowboys-Falcons game. And as a Falcons fan, uh, this hurts a little bit. Now, I'm going to be honest. 
I don't think I've ever cared less about a Falcons loss in my life. And I, I don't know if it's because I kind of ex, it, it's not a surprise, a, wow, voice crack. It's not a surprise that we lost this game, or if I'm just like, I'm kind of just over this whole, this, this the franchise, or the direction, or, or the point in which, or the point we're at, I'm kind of just over it. Like, I don't trust the coaching staff, or, or players that I've been developed, or young guys, specifically, are just, they're not performing at the level you'd expect. And we have the talent. We have the talent on both sides of the ball to be good. But year after year, we continue to be disappointing. And we continue to not be a winning football team. And that's just unacceptable. We, we can't have this. And, and I'm done with Dan Quinn. Uh, he needs to be fired. Everyone on our coaching staff, to be honest, should be fired. And we need to rebuild. We need to blow everything up and rebuild this franchise. Because we're, we're in no position to win right now. And we haven't been in position to have any kind of success for the last couple of seasons. So we need to just accept that we are where we are. And we're not going to be winning any game. We're not going to be winning. We're not going to be competing for a Super Bowl anytime soon. Matt Ryan's aging. Julio Jones is aging. Our defense has been crappy uh, for years now. So we need to just say, you know what? Let's just take some years, take a few seasons off. Let's rebuild. And then let's see where we can go from there. And so I think we need to, you know, we, we have some young talent. Like we have Calvin Ridley. We need to keep him. We have uh, some young defensive players like Deion Jones. We need to keep him. Brady Jarrett can stay. AJ Terrell can stay. And we got some safeties like DeMonte Casey and um, Keanu Neal. Those guys can possibly stay. Uh, but everyone else pretty much can go. Except except for the rookies. Like, um, I'm forgetting his name, but the guy from Auburn, Marlon Davidson, he can stay. But everyone else should be available for trade, in my opinion. And I think we just need, we need to rebuild. We need to blow everything up. I've been begging for our for the Falcons to do this since 2017 when we lost to the Eagles in the playoffs. Ever since then, I've been begging for us to rebuild. And I just hope that, that that Arthur Blank finally sees that it's time to rebuild. Because, I mean, it, this has been going on way too long. Please put us Falcons fans out of our misery and just go ahead and rebuild. Please. Uh, but let's go ahead and get into the game. As you all knew, the Falcons blew a 20-point lead to the Dallas Cowboys. They were up 20-0 zip after the first quarter. Um, and it was a 29-10 game at halftime, and the Falcons just absolutely blew it. Now, they were dominating the Cowboys in the first quarter. Um, they were on a roll offensively, and defensively, they were playing really, really well. Um, and the Cowboys had a lot of miscues. Like, they had a fumble. Um, they made a lot of, they, they took a lot of gambles. Um, uh, they faked two punts in this game, which was really odd. Um, and so they took a lot of gambles in this game. In the first half, it hurt them, uh, but in the end, um, it ended up paying off. Um, and it, I just, I, I don't understand the end of this game. I, I honestly don't. Um, because our defense is not great, or mainly our secondary, and our secondary struggled in this game. Um, Isaiah Oliver, God love him, he was horrible in this game. And, I mean, as much as I love him, and I, as much as I, I hope that he develops. 
I just don't know how how much longer we can wait for that to happen because he was just so bad in this game. His technique is just not there. Uh, and what we and what we we hoped to get on draft night, he's just it's just not materializing, and it showed in this game. Michael Gallup made a few big plays. Um, he was a huge factor in this comeback. And in the second half, the the Cowboys offense got it together and they were rolling. Um, and, and they they got back in this game. And I I want to mainly focus on the end of this game. Um, and on, on the, the onside kick, the infamous onside kick that everyone's talking about right now. Um, because that was the, that's one of the craziest plays I've ever seen. I've never seen an onside kick like that because the onside kick was horrible. It was not a good onside kick at all. Uh, the ball was just rolling. There was no bounce. And so it was an easy recovery. For the Falcons, it was such an easy recovery for them. Because if you don't know the rules, uh, on an onside kick, the kicking team has to wait for the ball to go 10 yards before they can touch it. Because if that wasn't a rule, they would be able to kick it like a yard and, and, and recover it every time. So that rule is in place to prevent that. And so the kicking team has to wait for the ball to go at least 10 yards before they can touch it. But the receiving team doesn't. So they can recover it at any time. And the Falcons players were just standing there watching it, not falling on the ball. And I just don't really understand why they were doing it. If you're in the NFL, you, you have to know what the rules are for the on, for the onside kick. There's no way they didn't understand the rule. Um, if they did, that's a shame on the coaching staff for not getting their guys prepared. I don't know what happened. But that was insane. And then, of course, the Cowboys, they recovered the onside kick. And they went down, and they scored with ease. They got into field goal position with ease. I mean, it was so easy for them. Um, and Greg Zerline made the, made the game-winning kick. Um, and, I mean, it was a wild game. Shout-out to the Cowboys, because um, they got it together in the second half, made adjustments, um, and they came back in this game. What a win for them. And what a, I mean, it's just, are you really surprised, though? Are you are you really surprised the Falcons blew a lead? Because I'm not. Um, but man, th- this is it for Dan Quinn. He's got to go. He's got to go. Um, and this game wasn't even on, on him. It wasn't on him. He didn't make any decisions in, in this game that I hated. Now he didn't go for two prematurely in this game. Uh, he he went for it was like twenty six to twenty. It was twenty six to seven at one point, I believe. And instead of kicking the extra point, uh, we went for two to make it 28 to 27. And, and we still had like a whole, a whole half left of football. And so that was an interesting decision. I don't, I don't agree with it. I don't love it. Uh, but I don't think it, it was, I don't think it cost us the game. I think what cost us the game was our defense in the second half and our secondary, which is really young, just not coming to play. Um, and, uh, I want to talk about Mike McCarthy in this game. They faked two punts, um, in this game, and they went for two prematurely. Um, and so you're looking at those decisions, like, I, I didn't like really any of those, of those decisions, um, especially the fake punts were not very, I didn't like those calls. Um, but I want to focus on the, on the, on the, on going for two, the two point conversion, because they, the Cowboys scored, um, and, and they were down two possessions at the time. They scored, and then if they if they kick the extra point, they're down eight, and so uh, they just need to get a stop on defense, get the ball back, um, score, and then 
in my opinion, it's always best to go for two later than to go for two early. Because if you go for two early, don't get it, then you're still down two possessions. I think it's just better. Um, and I think there's a higher, a higher chance that you'll, I, I think your chances of winning will increase if you, if you wait to go for two later in the game, if you're in that, in that kind of position. Uh, but the, Mike McCarthy decided to go for two down, um, down, what was it? Down, uh, I mean, they were down, they were down two possessions at the point when they scored. And he wanted to, to go for two to make it a seven point game. He didn't get it. Um, so they were down nine. Uh, now they eventually came back thanks to the onside kick. But that could have really killed the Cowboys. The, the fake punts and the, and going for two prematurely really put the, the Cowboys in a difficult spot there in that game. Um, so they, they really, they really did get lucky. Or Mike McCarthy got lucky. Um, at how, at how, like how, with how everything played out. Uh, but shout out to the Cowboys, and yeah, like I said, Dan Quinn, he's got to go. I know this game wasn't his fault. Um, he didn't do anything that cost us the game. Uh, but when the way our franchise is, the way the like this this culture has to change, and that starts with the head coach. We can't we cannot keep blowing leads, and we, we got to be better at finishing games. And so, uh, I I think Dan Quinn needs to be fired. I've been saying it needs to be fired for a while, um, but it needs to happen now. Alright, let's talk about the Chiefs and the Chargers game, which was awesome. So, prior to this game, in warm-ups, Tyrod Taylor, who's the starting quarterback for the Chargers, got hurt. He, uh, apparently, I believe, um, now don't quote me on this, because I don't know if this is actually true, but I believe he, he got like a shot uh, for an injury before the game, and it started affecting his breathing. And so he went to the hospital, and so uh, he was out. For, he was ruled out for the game right before um, kickoff. So Justin Herbert was um, named the starter like right before the game started. And I'm not a big fan of Justin Herbert. If you've been keeping up with this podcast uh, for a while, you'd know that I'm not the biggest fan of Justin Herbert. I didn't think he was worth a first round pick, um, and I still feel that way. I mean, I I haven't seen enough from him to change my opinion. Uh, but I will say, I was really, really impressed with Justin Herbert yesterday. And I have no, I have no issue with, with admitting when I'm wrong. Um, and I'm not gonna say that I'm wrong yet, because it was one game. Uh, but if you would have told me, like, when he, when he was announced as the starter for this game, I didn't really think he was gonna be ready, and he proved me wrong. He was 110% ready for the moment. And that was what was impressive to me. He looked ready for the moment. He didn't look scared. He played with confidence. And he made a few really good plays in this game. And I was impressed. And the Chargers were better with him at quarterback. And so, I w- and that was just so impressive to me. Now, he did make a lot of mistakes. He had a big sack uh, in the first half that he just, he needs to get the ball out of his hands on that play. And he had that one interception that was a terrible decision. He had a wide open lane to run for the first down. Instead, he threw the ball downfield, um, and it ended up getting getting intercepted. Um, and he and, and, and the play calling was really conservative. Uh, the, the Chargers coaching staff kind of babied him a little bit. Uh, they didn't ask him to do too much, so he wasn't doing a whole lot this game. Uh, but I just I like the confidence. I like how calm he seemed 
Um, he didn't seem scared of the moment. He rose to the occasion and played pretty well. And, and the charges were better with 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 the with the offense in his hands. And so I think going forward, he needs to be the starting quarterback. Um, I don't know if he's their franchise guy yet. I mean, it's only been one game, so no one can really say uh, if he is or not. But that was a good debut for him. I, I was impressed. I thought I thought he did a, a very solid job. Uh, but what a win by the Chiefs. Uh, what a comeback. Uh, the Chiefs looked rough in this game in the first half. The Chargers' defense, they were playing incredibly well, and the Chiefs looked uncomfortable in the first half. They couldn't move the ball. They couldn't put up points. And, and, and the Chargers made it difficult. They put a lot of pressure on Mahomes. Um, and they did a good job. Their, their pass rush did a great job in this game. And, and Clyde Edwards-Alaire wasn't a huge factor. And, and, and the Chiefs defense struggled. They struggled to stop the run. And the Chargers conservative game plan caused the Chiefs a lot of problems in this game. And so they were able to run the ball effectively. The short game was working. Um, and, they, and the Chargers had a few big plays in the first half. And it looked like the Chiefs were going to lose this game. And that would have been bad for our, for betters because I, I'm sure a lot of people uh, bet on the Chiefs or put the Chiefs in a teaser with the Ravens. I, I'm pretty sure that was a popular bet. Um, and it looked like the Chiefs were going to lose this game outright. But the second half rolls around and Mahomes just proves that once again that he's the best quarterback in the league. Um, he made some incredible throws in the second half. Like that, that, the, the touchdown to Tyreek Hill on the right side of the field was disgusting. I don't know if I've ever seen a better throw in my entire life. That was a beautiful throw. I mean, that was just absolutely incredible. Um, you, you don't see, I don't know how many quarterbacks in the NFL can make that throw. I'm like Mahomes, and then it's like, I don't know, like, can Aaron Rodgers do it now? I don't really know if he can if he can make that kind of throw now. Mahomes might be the only quarterback who can, who can make that kind of throw. That was incredible. Um, and then late in the game, I, the thing that stood out most about Mahomes in this game or about Mahomes' performance was his decision making. He is so mature for a twenty five year old. Yeah, he's twenty five now for a twenty five year old quarterback. He's only been in the league like. Is this his third year? Third or fourth year? I believe it's his third year. For a 24-year-old quarterback who's in his third year, he is so mature and he's such a good decision maker. Late in this game, the Chiefs are behind. They're trying to claw back and their offense was stale in the first half. But in the second half, in the second half, they're driving and there would be plays where Mahomes would, he, he would just, he, he would have such a good awareness situational awareness where he would know when to run run with the ball. He would know when to throw the ball away. He would know when not to take a chance and to throw the ball deep in a tight window. He just has such good situ- situational awareness, and it was on full display in this game. Um, and and in the end, I mean, Mahomes made the plays necessary to get, to get this W. And shout out to the Chiefs defense um, who got a key stop at the end of regulation, um, to hold the, hold the charges to a field goal and give the Chiefs an opportunity, uh, to tie the game. And Mahomes went down the field, um, put them in position to kick it, kick a, a game tying field goal. Buckford did it. And then in overtime, uh, the Chargers got the ball. 
They got stopped. Mahomes got the ball one more time, and he put the Chiefs in position to win the game. And shout out to Harrison Butker. I gotta talk about him. Because I, I, don't, I have never seen a kicker do what he did. He kicked three 50-plus yard field goals in a row to win the game. Now, the first one got um, erased because of a false start penalty. The second one got erased because of a timeout. And on the third one, which was a 58-yard field goal, he hit back-to-back 58-yard field goals. The first one didn't count, but on the last one, third time's the charm, he kicked the field goal, won the game. That's incredible. Being able to hit 50-yard field goals like consecutively, back-to-back-to-back, uh, in a high-leverage situation like that, that's incredibly impressive. Uh, but he came through, and he, he's one of the best kickers, one of the best kickers in the NFL. He's a stud. Um, and just shout out to Mahomes, who, in a game in which their offense really, really struggled, he came through, and he was spectacular in the second half. Um, and, and so was the Chiefs defense. They came to play, um, and they came through in the biggest moments. Uh, but yeah, so th- there's a, I see some issues with the Chiefs defense going forward. Um, their run defense didn't look great in this game. And so I think going against the Ravens, uh, these kind of issues are, could, like, really get exposed. Uh, but yeah, so, uh, the Chiefs are, are, you need to keep your eye out on the Chiefs. Um, uh, and, and mainly their defense, because it, there were, uh, it, it looked a little bit questionable yesterday. Alright, the game, probably the game of the week, I believe. Seahawks Patriots. I, I'd say that, that was the game of the week. Sunday night football. Um, huge game, and I just want to say that I was wrong about the Patriots. And, and, and even though I had them finishing second in their division, I was lower on them than a lot of people were. I know a lot of people were really, really high on the Patriots, and I wasn't. Um, and that's mainly because they lost a lot of pieces on defense, uh, to opt outs, and they, they didn't really add anything on, on offense. I mean, they brought in Cam Newton. But they didn't bring in any weapons for him. And so I thought, you know, they're probably, their offense is going to be better. Uh, I, I thought their offense would be better, but I thought their defense might struggle a bit. Um, and that's just not the case. Like they are still a really, really good team. And they showed, they showed it against, uh, the Seahawks. Um, the Seahawks, the, it, I, I got to talk about them too, because they're a really good team as well. And offensively, they are just clicking. And Russell Wilson looks like the MVP right now. I mean, he's playing out of his mind. Um, they're scoring a, lot, scoring a lot of points. Um, he is just throwing the ball all over the field. They're getting a lot of big plays. And they got a lot of, a lot of big plays in this game. Um, early on, uh, the, I think their first possession, uh, uh, Russell Wilson threw a pick six. And that was rough because it hit the, it hit the, the tight end right in the hands. And it got tipped. Uh, and the Patriots defensive back took the ball back, uh, for six points. Um, and, and that was the start of the game. Rough start for the Seahawks. Um, but they, they would come back, um, <clears throat> they, they would, they would come back strong in this game. Uh, one thing that I was really impressed with the Patriots is, uh, their offense. It, and, and how they used Cam Newton near the goal line. Um, they had a lot of, a lot of, a lot of opportunities right, right near the goal line in this game. And they used this package. Um, and it, it, it's, it's a shotgun heavy formation where they have, 
Um, they're stacking everyone on the offensive line, and they, they would have a fullback, and he would go into motion as soon as the ball was snapped, and he would act as a blocker, and they would let Cam, um, and they would they would let Cam have an opportunity to run the ball into the end zone on a design quarterback run, and that play and that formation, um, is just unstoppable with Cam Newton at quarterback, and it felt like every time they ran it, or they ran that formation or that play, um, they were scoring. Now one time, uh, they passed the ball out of that formation, but a majority of the time they were just running co- uh, design quarterback runs out of it. And, and, and they were scoring every single time. So that was impressive. Um, I mean, I, I love what they, I love how they're utilizing Cam Newton's rushing ability. And Cam Newton's just proving that he's still, like, <laughs> still such a good, like, a great quarterback. He's been so good so far. And he's been so good, uh, using his legs. Uh, just throwing the ball. He, overall, he's been a great quarterback so far. And the Seahawks are putting him in position to be successful. Um, they're, they're, they're maximizing his strengths. They're using the quick game. Uh, they're, they're, they're using just, they're buying into Cam Newton as a runner and they're using, they're weaponizing his rushing ability and it's just making this Patriots offense a nightmare to go against. And they put up a lot of points in this game. Um, and, and if they, if they continue to do this, and if they continue to play like this offensively, they're going to win a lot of football game, games this year, and they could honestly win the division. Now, in this game, uh, the Seahawks, they, were, they, were, they had too many big plays uh, for the Patriots to kind of overcome. Uh, there was one play where DK Metcalf was being shadowed by uh, Stephon Gilmore, and he, he ran, he kind of stacked, or he didn't stack, he, he uh, stemmed his route inside, and then broke out, Russell Wilson made a beautiful throw. It was a, it was a, a tight window, and it was a tough catch. But DK made made the grab, um, and, and that was a very impressive catch. And then later on in the game, uh, there was one play where where the Seahawks had Chris Carson wide open in the end zone, um, and 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 so there there were way too many big plays allowed by the Patriots defense, and that really killed them in this game. Um. And, and that was just a huge, there were too many mistakes made by their, by their secondary, by their defense, and it killed them in this game. Uh, I do want to talk about the final play, uh, because the Patriots had a chance to win the game, uh, late in the fourth quarter. There was like, there was like three seconds left. Um, they're down by five, and can they run that heavy shotgun formation? And so, there's, there's like two, there's two plays that are going to be run. It's either going to be a design quarterback run, which they ran like, uh, three times, uh, prior to that play, or they were going to, um, fake a run by Cam, with Cam Newton and he was going to throw the ball. Now they ran the ball and a lot of people were critical of that decision to run the ball there. I don't, I don't hate the call. I like it. Like they, they had run that same play over and over and over in that game. And the Seahawks had not been able to stop it whatsoever. Now they blew it up on this final play. Uh, but when, when you take into consideration what the Patriots have been able to do with that play and that kind of situation throughout the game, like there should be no question why they would, why they would choose to run that play again. Like it had worked multiple times all game long and so 
I don't see why people are, are like upset with the Patriots for running that play again. Like I thought it was a, a great play call. Like it had been working so so much that game. You might as well run it again. Um, but the Patriots came up short. But I was just so impressed with them offensively. Cam Newton was so good. He did have an interception, which was a, a bad decision. He kind of locked in on his number on his first read. Didn't come off of it, and Quentin Dunbar made him. It was, a, it was a great play by Dunbar. Um, and, and, but just the way the Patriots are utilizing Cam Newton as both a passer and a runner, it, it's so impressive. It's so impressive how Bill Belichick's able to adapt and to kind of make adjustments from year to year. Um, and this is a pretty big adjustment. Going from Tom Brady to Cam Newton, it totally changes their offense. Uh, but this transition has been it's been so so smooth and seamless, uh, and I, I've I've just been so impressed by it. Uh, now the Patriots got to get it together defensively uh, if they're gonna play like that, like they did yesterday or like they did Sunday. Um, then they're gonna they're gonna struggle to make a deep playoff run. They got they got they got to just fix the the issues they had defensively, uh, but offensively they've been they've been really really good. Uh, and I've been impressed with them. Um, now I'm really excited about the Seahawks. They look like a championship contender right now. Um, and that's mainly because their offense is so explosive right now. They're they're letting Russell Wilson loose. They're letting him cook. Um, and and it's been marvelous to see to see this new offense where they're not running the ball as much. They're letting Wilson have free reign, and they're allowing him to throw the ball all over the field. It's been wonderful to see. I love what I've seen from Jamal Adams so far. Um, they've been great, and I can't, I, I'm excited to see them pl- play some more because it looks like they're going to win the division and make a deep playoff run this year. All right, let's end off the podcast talking about last night's game as the Raiders took on the Saints on Monday Night Football, their first home game in their new stadium, and what an impressive win by the Las Vegas Raiders. Um, it was such an imp- impressive performance by them. So specifically their offense. That's what I mainly want to talk about. Um, because early on, it did not look good for the Raiders. The Saints got out to a, a 10 nothing lead early on in the first quarter. Um, and they were, they were just dominating the Raiders on both sides of the ball. They were putting a lot of pressure on, on, um, on Derek Carr. They were getting in the backfield, uh, sacking him. They were putting him on the ground and then they were scoring with ease. Uh, and, and it, it looked like the Saints were going to blow them out. But they kept fighting. They kept running the ball. And eventually the run game was just dominant. They started dominating, dominating the Saints. And they had like a few offensive linemen out for the game. So what they were able to do, uh, on the run, uh, in the run game was super impressive considering the defense the Saints have, uh, which is amazing. And, and, and the Raiders just ran the ball down the Saints throat continuously in this game and they they just they kept running the ball kept running the ball kept running the ball and 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 josh jacobs was killing the saints and then uh they had a lot of success throwing the ball as well darren waller had a great game he was killing the saints defense um no one could cover him they would put if they put anyone on him one-on-one he was going to get open um so he had a big game and Derek Carr showed out um, and he showed that he's still a really good quarterback. And I, I've been so impressed with him so far this season. He's been really good. And he, he, and he's showing the haters that 
he's legit, and he, he's still a good quarterback. Uh, but he and, they, and the Raiders' offense was so good in this game. And they just they just kept running the ball, running the ball. And they were playing, and, 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 and it was working. Like they they scored thirty one points in this game. No, thirty four. Um, and, and the run game was was incredible for them. And then Derek Carr was so accurate and just he was slicing the Saints' defense. Um, and their offense was just great. And the, the Saints didn't have an, an 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 answer for it on defense. Um, they they couldn't stop the run. Um, the the Raiders kept kept chewing the clock and just kept marching down the field on the back of uh, Josh Jacobs. And then you look at what the Saints did offensively. They had they were without Mike Michael Thomas, which is a huge loss. Uh, but Drew Brees has to be better. He was horrible. He was terrible. Um, he was inaccurate. The arms length looked awful. There was no zip on his passes. He was inaccurate. The ball placement was bad. Just everything about his performance was just absolutely disgusting. So he, he's got to be better. He's got to be better. Um, but the Saints, the Saints overall, on both, on, both, on both sides, they struggled. Both offensively and defensively, they weren't very good in this game. Drew Brees was terrible. Um, and their defense struggled in the second half. Um, and, and the Raiders got a big W on Monday Night Football. I was shocked. It was a huge upset. I was disappointed by the way Breeze looked. Um, and, and Derek Carr outplayed Drew Breeze, uh, which is incredibly impressive. I feel bad for everyone who bet, uh, for the Saints to cover, uh, because they did not cover. Uh, now before I head out, I do want to say shout out to, uh, Daniel Carlson. We're talking a lot about kickers today, baby. Kickers matter. Uh, Daniel Carlson hit a huge field goal in the, in this game. Um, just, and what a bold decision by John Gruden to kick the ball, kick a, to kick a 57 yard field goal, I believe, uh, or a 54 yarder. It was a 50 plus yard field goal, um, at the end of the game, up seven. If Daniel Carlson, who just, who just got signed, if he misses that field goal, the Saints have the ball in great, in, with great field position with an opportunity to tie the game. So it was a risky move. Uh, but Daniel Carlson just drilled the field goal and he's a stud. He was, he was great in college. Um, glad he's getting another opportunity in the NFL. What a big field goal for him. The Raiders went on to win by double digits. Uh, just such an impressive performance by the Raiders offensively. Um, Josh Jacobs was great. Darren Waller was awesome. And, and then Derek Carr was just absolutely incredible. Um, and I, I love Derek Carr's post-game interview. If you saw it, you know what I'm talking about. It was just such, such a great interview. He's such a great guy. And I'm proud, and I'm just so happy for him, um, that he's having a successful year so far. And the Raiders are 2-0. Um, they look really good, especially on offense. Now defensively, it is a little bit of a struggle. Um, they ended up, they, they, they got it together a little bit in this game. Um, but there's still times where their defense doesn't look great. So they're going to have to get that together. But offensively, they look fine. Um, so yeah, that's pretty much all I have to say today. I hope y'all enjoyed it. I hope y'all have a great rest of the week. And I hope y'all enjoy watching sports. I will see y'all next time. Peace.